This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Folks, once again, it's that time of the week and time to spend time with our favorite founder of the largest online progressive community, Daily Coast, the host of The Brief and the founder of Civics with a Q, Marcos Melitzis. How are you, buddy? Doing great. Thanks so much. Always happy to sit and chat with you, Mark. Yeah, I always, and always plenty to chat about. So, nice. so let's start with, uh, and you and I, Marcos now, obviously, we talk more than, and communicate more than once a week when we're doing the show. But, and one of the topics we find ourselves kind of sharing with one another is, is Herschel Walker. And I'm sure many of you have seen the reports about him paying for an abortion, which is contradictory to the GOP talking points and all of that. Dana Loesch, or Lash, I don't know how you pronounce her name. Loesch, probably, I think. Loesch, yeah. So I want everyone yeah. to hear, just as we start this out, I want people to hear what Dana had, uh, had to say. Does this change anything? Do you want my opinion? Or you're listening. Not a damn thing. How many times have I said four very important words? These four words. Winning is a virtue. What I'm about to say is in no means a contradiction or a compromise of a principle. And please keep in mind that I am concerned about one thing and one thing only at this point. So I don't care if Herschel Walker paid to abort endangered baby eagles. I want control of the Senate. If the Daily Beast story is true, you're telling me Walker used his money to reportedly pay some skank for an abortion and Warnock wants to use all of our monies to pay a whole bunch of skanks for abortions. And yes, when they're used predominantly over 99% of birth control and it's my taxpayer dollars, you have invited me up in your business and I will use whatever descript I would like to. Thank you. So it doesn't change anything for me. I don't know if he did it or not. I don't even care. So that's Dana. You heard it. I guess she speaks for the hypocrisy that a lot of them are exercising. What's your reaction to that, Marcos? She's lovely. For one, we know that winning is the only thing that matters to them, right? This is why the evangelical right, who pretended to be all about family values, was able to get behind Donald Trump and now has become his biggest booster in the year since 2016. Ted Cruz was her guy in the primary, but they put all that aside, all that pretend concern about family values because they wanted the Supreme Court and they won and they got their court and they got their ban on abortion. So in, in one sense, it's good. Let's be honest that the people like Dana Loesch don't care 
about abortion, about candidates that walk the walk. It's all BS. It's all tradable. And I, I'll tell you, Mark, if, let's say, in the Pennsylvania Senate race, let's say that John Fetterman came out and used the N-word and said that he wants to jail all immigrants and wants a death penalty for women who get abortions or something. But you and me, would we be like, yeah, keep voting for that guy? No, we, we, we cut bait and we did. And you know what? And it's not me just saying this because we did that with, with uh, what's his face in Minnesota? Why can't we think of his uh, name? Yeah, the comedian. Al Franken. Al Franken. Yeah, like we walk the walk. If you aren't living progressive values, like core progressive values, there's really not a place for you in a Democratic Party. People like Dana, they knew Herschel Walker. It's not like this is a brand new revelation of his sordid family history that has just emerged within five weeks of the election. We knew of his issues with violence, domestic violence, during the primary. So there, there's no excuse at this point. Yeah, winning is everything, but let's appreciate that there's honesty in that and that they don't actually care about family values. They definitely don't care about about decency, common decency, given their continued support for Donald Trump. They don't care about national security, given their love for Vladimir Putin. And, uh, and the only thing that they really care about is tax cuts, because that's the only thing they're, they've been consistent about in the last five years. Yeah, it's honesty. They don't care in a way that we care. We actually think character matters in a way that they don't. A, a hypocrisy. There's that. And since you brought up Pennsylvania, there's now this report about Dr. Oz being involved in experiments that killed animals. Oh, man. Puppies. I'm not into killing puppies, but Michael Vick went to prison. It's it is it, in Pennsylvania. If the polling is correct and we are always going to hold out the possibility that it's a lot closer than the polling shows, but it's, I don't think I've ever seen a one-two punch of terrible candidates the way we're seeing in Doug Mastriano, who's the Republican candidate for governor, and Met Oz, who's running for the Senate. They are both god-awful, and it's, sometimes I feel like just piling on to, like, they're a dead horse and we're just kicking it, but it's not. They're still it's a Pennsylvania is a battleground state. It's a 50, 50 state. Like we have to make sure we, we, we push hard to the end of the election, but Oh my God, like between and Mastriano, like Republicans really got screwed by Donald Trump. And that's what you get when you let Trump pick your candidates. Just to be clear, uh, Philadelphia Inquirer and Jezebel reported that while he was apparently at Columbia University. Mehmet Oz was involved in some type of scientific research that r resulted in a number of puppies and other animals 
being killed, at least 34 experiments killed, 329 dogs, two killed 31 pigs, and 38 experiments killed 661 <laughs> rabbits and other rodents. And just to be clear, this is not just something that happened and wasn't addressed. This from the Philadelphia Inquirer, quote, questions over treatment of animals in research that Oz oversaw at Columbia University Institute of Comparative Medicine. Questions date back to the early 2000s when the animal rights organization, People for the Ethical Treatment of An Animals, we know them as PETA, detailed allegations from a whistleblower. The USDA eventually ordered Columbia to pay two, a $2,000 penalty for violations of the Animal Welfare Act as part of the settlement. So, again, that's not just something that it, that just came up now. That's that happened then. In 20 something years ago. So. Just want people to be aware of that. I don't know whether that carries any weight in Pennsylvania, but people, you know, my puppies. I there, there's a real debate about the efficacy of animal research, particularly in, in pharmaceutical development. And, and it can be heated at times for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian. I'm almost vegan. And the, I'm against animal testing. We don't have to even walk there. He tested on puppies. That he wants to argue that there is a valid medical scientific reason to test on puppies. He's more than welcome to make that argument in this debate, in this campaign. I suspect that while people shrug at experiment, experimenting on rats and mice and rabbits and on those, I suspect that when you're talking about dogs and you're even talking about primates, that, that that sentiment quickly shifts against that. And I'm happy to have that debate in Pennsylvania. Let him explain why killing puppies for science is a thing that, that was worth him doing. <laughs> I think, I don't think it's going to go well for him. So let's stay on some of these candidates and how absurd they can be. Sherry Beasley is a Democratic nominee for Senate in North Carolina. Ted Budd is the Republican nominee, according to Daily Coast and Jezebel. This, he owns a gun store. And he advertises on a website, on his website, an insurance provider that supports gun owners who face domestic violence charges. It's an insurance plan, and it's even been referred to by the NRA as murder insurance. That's what Ted Budd is advertising on his website, his gun store website. This is the Republican yeah. nominee for North Carolina. Yeah, Ted Budd, and again, he was Donald Trump's choice. He's a Freedom Caucus guy. This is what they are. With him, it's some of the revelations about Herschel Walker, the new ones, and 
Someone was coming out about Met Oz. Someone was coming out with Kerry Lake in Arizona, who took the fifth in a January 6th commission hearing. Ted Budd, he's what everybody thought he was. Like, there, there, none of this is particularly shocking or out of the ordinary. He doesn't hide it. Like, he's not, gonna, he's not embarrassed about running that murder insurance. It's just who they are. And, and this is a big... It's one of the... There's stark differences in our candidates in, in, in all these races. But I actually think that, that uh, North Carolina might be the starkest difference because Beasley is a former chief justice of the North Carolina Supreme Court. She's brilliant. She is an incredible intellectual talent. And Ted Budd runs a gun store. He's, he's not... He got elected because he's a dumbass, not in spite of, but because of. He's like in that Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert strain, Louis Gohmert strain of Republicans, where like the dumbest, stupidest, craziest personality in the race wins those wins those elections, and that's who he is. And so that stark difference between this incredible intellectual talent. In Beas in yeah in Beasley and in him could not be starker. So the polling has that race tied, Mark. That is literally going to be decided by turnout and who who shows up to vote. And like we could have one of the we may have it may be the difference between having one of the smartest people in the Senate out of North Carolina or having one of the dumbest people in the Senate out of North Carolina. Two extremes, indeed. Florida. We've talked about our friend Val Demings. It is now, it should be obvious, painfully obvious to everyone that Republicans who did not support disaster relief in the past, we're now seeing the results of that in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Dana Bash on CNN hit Marco Rubio with this. Senator, you wrote. A letter Friday to the Senate Appropriations Committee asking for disaster relief dollars for desperately needed resources to rebuild Florida communities. After Hurricane Sandy hit northeastern states in 2012, you voted no on a $50 billion relief package. I know you supported a smaller version, but why should other senators vote for relief for your state when you didn't vote for a package to help theirs? Oh, I've always voted for hurricane and disaster relief. I've even voted for it without pay for us. What I didn't vote for in Sandy is because they had included things like a roof for a museum in Washington, D.C., for fisheries in Alaska. It had been loaded up with a bunch of things that had nothing to do with disaster relief. And I wouldn't support disaster relief efforts. I would never put out there that we should go use a disaster relief package for Florida as a way to pay for all kinds of other things people want around the country. So I think that's the key in moments like this. And, and Sandy, unfortunately, they loaded it up. They really did with well, a bunch of things that had nothing to do with Sandy. But I voted for every disaster relief package, especially that's clean. And I'll continue right. to do so when it comes to Florida. I'll do that again. And we'll make sure that, that package is clean and doesn't have stuff for other people in there. I read the Congressional Research Service report last night. It sounds like that roof actually was damaged by the hurricane. And what happened in Alaska was the result of another disaster. But in any event, what my question is, about the future. Are you telling me that if Hurricane Ian relief contains anything that smells like pork, 
you'll vote no? Sure. I'll fight against it having pork in it. That's the key. We shouldn't have that in there because it undermines the ability to come back and do this in the future. Here's what happens and people need to understand it. We can Is this going to affect that race? And same with DeSantis and the governor's race. Is are we looking at the possibility that their reaction in the past and their opposition to hurricane relief, that might be a factor for Florida voters? could be it's we always talk about does this recent event have an impact on the race and it almost never does mm-hmm. what those events do is they either reinforce doubts that people have or they or they start chipping away slightly on the edges of those doubts right so if you're a Swing voter, and we know there's very few swing voters. We always talk about that. But one of the few are college-educated suburban white voters, mostly women, although we're starting to see a little bit of movement with men. Nowhere near as dramatic as women, but it, it's, I think it might be real. They're already like, eh, we don't like Trump. But last year in 2021, they actually voted Republican in New Jersey and in Virginia. And in Virginia, it allowed them to win. So they were still able to, if Trump's out of the picture, they were able to go back to being Republicans because they're, they're ancestrally Republicans. Now Trump is back up. They're, they have doubts. Oh, the abortion thing happened. Oh, my God. Like the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, that's got them up in arms. So now they're like, yeah, I'm going to vote. Democrat, things like this confirm that. And that's helpful because the last thing that that Democrats politically want is for Republicans to come out and show some kind of moderate face where they might go like, am I being unreasonable? Because they want to vote Democratic. That's the thing. When, you're, when you have a, a pattern of voting a certain way, you want to vote Democratic. Just imagine we're all listening to this you're likely a Democrat, you're likely a liberal. What would it take for you to vote Republican? Just think, like, it would take a lot. And there might be one Republican or Democratic candidate that's just so completely, like, against what you stand for that you're like, okay, this one time I'm going to vote, I'm going to vote Republican or I'm going to vote Independent. But you want to vote Democrat, when, you know, as soon as you can. So these Republicans, and there's research that shows that changing your party voting preference, like realizing that what you voted for your whole life is wrong, has the same feeling as losing a limb. It literally is like having an arm turn, torn off to say, no, now you're going to vote something else. Just again, imagine, Mark, imagine voting for a Republican. Like what it would feel like to vote for a Republican for president or for Senate some local office, not as important, but like for major office. This is where these suburban, college-educated women are and men are starting to like have doubts. And so that process will take years. It literally takes years. I was a Republican. I went through this. Like, it took me about six years to become, to shift from being a Republican to a Democrat. Even though I started voting Democrat, I still thought I was a Republican. I still thought this was just this one time. It took a while, even though I knew that I was no longer a Republican. 
on abortion, believe it or not. That was the issue that, that flipped me back in 1990, like 1990, 1992. It was one of the big issues. And you have these women, a small number of of men in the suburbs that are like, oh boy, am I really going to vote Democratic again? Okay, Trump is Trump. Yeah. And okay, the Supreme Court. Yeah. It's, and so each one of these events makes him go, it makes him feel like, okay, yeah, I'm making the right choice. It, it calms those nerves and that doubt and that indecisiveness. And you're starting to creep in new doubts. Now, those new doubts may not, you're starting to see, like I said, in the polling, you're starting to see, why college-educated men starting to have doubts about the Republican Party. We actually, in our polling at Civics, we've seen movement after the Mar-a-Lago raids with white men, which is weird, right? It's a national security thing. Like, he, he's, he stole national security secrets. Nothing else has moved numbers with Trump in the entire time that we've tracked it. Nothing moved Trump's numbers. This is the first time we're seeing numbers move. And it was because the raid, the right after the raid at Mar-a-Lago. So you're starting to have people have doubts. We're probably not going to win those votes. Maybe they sit out. Maybe they're like, you know what? I'm just not going to vote. I don't, I'm feeling weird and queasy about it. I'm not going to vote. That's a victory. I would suspect very few of those white men, college-educated men, will actually vote Democratic this year. But those doubts, they take, they root, you know, they're seeds. They take root and then they'll grow. And every time Republicans do something like this, they reinforce those doubts. And over the long haul, it, this may be, it's like fertilizer. Like it helps us grow this transition of a key demographic in our direction. Yeah, yeah. One other race we've not talked about much is Wisconsin. Ron Johnson, Mandela Barnes. What are you hearing about that one? This is one of our two best pickup opportunities at this moment. We, uh, we had Mandela Barnes, had a, who's a lieutenant governor, had a, like a six to eight point lead at one point. It's narrowed. His numbers, Mandela Barnes' numbers haven't shifted. There was doubts about Ron Johnson, and he's consolidating his support. So I don't think there's a lot of love for him, given how weak he, he shows but he's somebody who has won twice very tight races in the most evenly divided state in the entire country. If this was a typical midterm election, he'd be romping to re-election. The fact that, that right now the Democrats have a slight like two, three-point advantage is just another sign that this is not a typical midterm, that this is more of a general election environment. And it's Wisconsin, so we may not know who won for a couple of days. It might be that close. So it's going to be very important for everybody who is anywhere near Wisconsin, whether it's you know, in Illinois. There's nothing competitive in Illinois. Minnesota, not much competitive happening in Minnesota. Get your butt over to Wisconsin. Help knock on doors, make phone calls, help out Democrats, because every single vote in Wisconsin is going to matter. Like, Right now, we have the slight edge, but it's within the margin of the ground game. So whoever has the strongest ground game is going to win that race. And Mark, I want to point out another one because people don't realize this. Nevada. Right now, I've seen several private polls that show us actually narrowly behind in Nevada, about two points behind 
we have an incumbent Senator Cortamastas. Now, it is incredibly hard to poll Nevada because a significantly portion of it is Spanish speaking. And none of these polls had Spanish speakers in it. So I want to make that clear. Also, Nevada has the single best ground game of any state in the country. It's run by the Unite Here Labor Union out of, out of uh, Las Vegas and Reno. And it was Harry Reid's old machine. And Harry Reid was behind in the polls in like his last two re-election efforts, and he won. So I don't want to say, oh, crap, we're going to lose this race. It's tight, though. Nevada is still very much a tight state. And again, in a typical midterm election, this might be lights out. We might lose the seat. Given that it's not a typical midterm election, it's, we have really good chances. And, it, it's a, and again, it's a place where if you are in California, I mean, if you're in California, it's not a lot happening Aside from the Orange County House districts, there's not a lot competitiveness happening in California. Great opportunity to get over to Nevada or Arizona as well and help out those Democrats in, in Nevada and Arizona. So I think all of us, we, li- we either live in a battleground state or we're pretty close to a battleground state. And at the very least, we can join online get out the vote efforts by making phone calls or by writing letters to, to battleground voters. So there's a lot of ways to be engaged. And we're five, we're five weeks out, Mark. It's time for people to start really focusing on get out the vote because, Mark, if we beat them in a midterm cycle with Joe Biden's approval ratings as low as they are, there's nobody they can blame by Donald, but Donald Trump. And, uh, there's always this chance of breaking the Republican Party. We may finally be in a situation where even a narrow victory, when they thought they were going to have a wave election, would be, would be catastrophic to the Republican Party. And that's not including, obviously, things like winning Secretary of State offices, which protect the vote in 2024, having a Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema proof Senate majority. So we need to pick up two seats in the Senate. We can have DC statehood, maybe Puerto Rico statehood. We can protect people's rights to vote. We can ban racial gerrymandering, partisan racial and partisan gerrymandering. These are things that can happen if we get those two seats in the Senate and we hold the House. And this is all, all, I would say at this point, we are very slightly favored to do both those things, but only if everybody busts their ass, because the other side's working hard. They're not staying home. So we got to do what we got to do on our end. I, I was at the Congressional Black Caucus Gala Saturday night and got a chance to speak with our friend Speaker Pelosi, informally, of course. And I'd say, you know, how you feel? What do you she said, I think we're okay, Mark. I think we're going to be just fine. We most certainly hope so. But Marcos is right, folks. Let's not be spectators. Let's get involved. And if there is something you can do to support the Democrats in your neck of the woods, or as he said, even for those of you in other states where it may not be quite as contested in neighboring states where you can make a difference, you can always do the phone banking. You can do that from home. You can do the texting. You can do all of that. We invite you to do just that. Please, ma'am. Please, sir. He joins us every week. Check out some of the great interesting polls at Civics with the Q. I didn't know about the Trump poll. I'm going to highlight that. 
and the effect the Mar-a-Lago raid had. Yeah, that, that's a public poll. That's at civics.com. So anybody yeah. can go look at Donald Trump's approval ratings and then click on independent white men and even white men in general. And there's, it's the first real drop in Donald Trump's approval in the five, six years we've been tracking him. So that's important to know. Call your friends in North Carolina. In Ohio, Tim Ryan is up. The latest poll shows. Show that's good. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and for God's sake, Georgia. Georgia, Arizona, Texas. If you're in Texas, you do, we have a real chance. Beto has a real chance in Texas. This is not a typical election. And we cannot, tr- we got to treat it like it's a presidential election because it's going to be that kind of engagement and turnout. And folks, th- this is unprecedented too because we know our culture in America. And lately, we've, o- that's why Marco says we got to treat like presidential election. What he precisely means is this we treat so many of our elections, that's the only election we take seriously presidential election. So we want all of these from now on, it should become second nature at the state representative level, at the state senate level, at the municipal level. Can't keep talking about reforming the police and we don't vote for mayors and city councils that oversee the police. State legislature doesn't oversee the police. Congress doesn't oversee your local police department. I keep saying that. And when I say to the people, they still look like, oh, I never thought about that. Come on, people. We've got to vote in all of these elections this way. Mark, I've seen people starting to argue about whether Bernie Sanders should run for election for president in in two years, we have a chance for DC statehood, and you're going to be arguing about freaking Bernie Sanders. Come on, right. our, at least get through November. Let's win this thing. Let's get two new senators, maybe four in Puerto Rico, and then if you want to talk nonsense about Bernie Sanders challenging Joe Biden in the prime, whatever. Okay, do that then. But can we at least get through this year? Can we, please. Let me ask you one other question because this is it, I was getting ready to go, but let me let me do this. Since you brought up Puerto Rico a couple of times, there's a lot of this narrative out now by the mainstream media that Democrats are not appealing to Latino voters and that Democrats are losing Latino voters. Do you have a take on that? Yeah, I think one, it's pretty BS. It's there's been significant polling by firms that poll specialized in polling Latinos. Sergio Ben-Dixon and Associates out of Miami, they're probably the best pollsters they do bilingual polling, that show Democrats outperforming their 2020 numbers among Latinos significantly. Not, it's not even close. So for example, they polled Nevada and they have the Democrats in Nevada with a 40-point advantage amongst Latinos in Nevada. That's not reflected in the polling I talked about where, where Senator Cordes Masto is down by two points because they can't poll these people because a lot of them are polling Spanish. So if you look at numbers like that, it clearly shows, and you compare it to 2020, it clearly shows that we have gained amongst Latinos, at least in the polling. Now... The counter argument is that if you look at the border regions in Texas that are heavily Latino, the Rio Grande Valley counties that Republicans made huge inroads with the Latino vote in those counties, and they did. 
there's been some credible studies that showed that Democrats do just as well, if not better, in places where they actually invest. And not a single liberal Democratic organization spent a dime in those districts, in those counties, in the Rio Grande Valley. Republicans did. They invested heavily in those. And if you look at the numbers, the Democratic performance between 2016 and 2020 was the same, literally. If it was 750 Democratic votes in 2016, it was 730 votes in 2020. The difference was in new Republican turnout, and that's just an investment in Republican organizing to get their vote in those regions out. So it's just, it's a battle that we've been fighting forever, Mark. And you see it like, why doesn't the party invest in in the Black community? We see it in our, why doesn't the party invest in the Latino community and in Spanish language media? to to be present you don't show up only one one part one, only one team shows up they're gonna they're gonna do better. it's just but in places where there was it was competitive and both sides did equal outreach or not even equal outreach that both sides did outreach and we saw that a lot in arizona because that was a very tight state in 2020 the democrats did just as well we didn't see that that drop off i don't I'm not as worried about it. We'll we'll know more in five weeks, Mark. I'm currently not as worried about it because I'm seeing a realization in our party right now that you can't abandon those areas. And so Beto is he's investing money in the Rio Grande Valley. It's not a ton of votes down there. They're pretty sparsely populated counties and a lot of green car holders who can't vote. But the uh, I'm not seeing that same sort of assumption that certain Latino heavy areas are going to automatically fall to the Democrats that you actually have to make some effort. Okay. That's good to know. That's encouraging. Civicswithaq.com. Look at those polls, especially the Trump one, the brief, the podcast and dailycoast.com. If you're not already a part of the daily coast community. Thanks as always, buddy. Thanks so much, Mark. Talk to you next week. (laughs) We'll be a month from election day. It's crazy.